It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, John Paul already taking your calls. If there's anything you want to share with us, 1850 333 And needless to say, we are looking for your thoughts on Budget 2020 and the announcement that was made yesterday. As I sat watching the budget yesterday afternoon, I kept thinking of the Late Late Show. And there's one for everyone in the audience because there seem to be so many figures coming at us and they seem to be trying to spread the love. But people would say, yeah, they might have been spreading it, but they spread it very, very thinly indeed. Looking at the papers this morning and the commentary on the government, a lot of the papers are picking up on the fact that the government very much gambling on winning back the supporters, the voters, the supporter voters of all ages. Because if you look at it, they try to put money back into the pockets of families, they try to look after older people with the state pension and they very much tried to look after young people yesterday. Now it is the second budget since the coalition party came into power and yesterday was the one where the gov- where the coalition were trying to move away from the concerns of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. There was a broad range of welfare spending commitments and income tax cuts uh, for workers. Finance Minister Pascal Donoghue along with the Public Expenditure Minister Michael McGrath. They will now have to borrow big though in order to help fund its $87.6 billion of spending uh, next year, 87.6 billion. Now, they are betting that the tax intake will recover considerably and that the country will continue to get over the COVID pandemic. But we have to do that with no major setbacks in order for what that they hope what they've put in place yesterday will actually uh, work for them. Um, it's that's where one of the big gambles is: will the will the economy continue to recover, and will the tax take recover uh, considerably? It's a kind of a fingers crossed. During the budget speech yesterday, Pascal. Uh, Pascal Donoghue said he believed that the economy would soon move out from under the dark cloud of the pandemic and he said that he was predicting truly exciting times were on the way for the country. Let's hope so. For the first time in years, there were significant commitments directly aimed at young people. I don't think I've ever remembered a budget where there was so much aimed at young people. I mean, for example, they have included half-price public transport and that's not just for students. That's going to be for all young people up to the the age of uh, 25. There's also going to be increases in the student uh, grants 
that's going to be well received. We were only talking about students who had to go to a food bank because they literally don't have enough money for food and there hasn't been an increase in the Susie Grant. Did I read somewhere that it's been 10 years since there's been any kind of an increase and there's been a lot of cost of living changes in the last uh, 10 years and of course as was much flagged and much, much spoken about in advance there's going to be free contraceptives for young people but it's going to be young females as opposed to young males. Pensioners anybody else who lives on a social welfare payment, the five euro increase. We're kind of getting used to now the increase being a fiver but I suppose better than nothing because there had been a couple of years where they weren't able to even give that five uh, euro. Uh, and the means testing is also going to change which means more access for carers to carers allowance and also they're, they're tweaking around the means tests for disability supports as well. Now there is going to be a record seven 716 million euro investment in childcare and obviously this is very much aimed at families with uh, young children and the government are trying to ensure that more families will be able to have access to affordable services We've heard from families who tell us that paying for their childcare is like paying for a double mortgage. They also, of course, are going to give free GP care that's going to be extended to all children under the age of eight. That doesn't come in until next year. Finance Minister Pascal Donoghue also, for people on minimum wage, an extra 30 cent on the minimum wage, bringing the minimum wage up to €10.50 an hour. Then the dreaded carbon tax. Pascal Donoghue warned that the world is burning. They were the words he used in his budget speech yesterday and by doing that he confirmed that the €7.50 increase in carbon tax uh, was kicking in. It increases the price of petrol and diesel significantly. Price of petrol and diesel went up from uh, midnight but as with previous budgets the carbon tax with regard to home heating costs that will not rise until next May and that's allowed to allow people to get over this winter and then to try to offset the impact of the carbon tax on low income families he left past the public expenditure minister Michael McGrath Pascal left him to announce there will be a five euro increase in the fuel allowance. Now that did come into effect from midnight last night and that's a slight change. We don't normally see that happening, any of those increases that you know like the increases for the five euro extra for the old age pensioners and the living alone allowances to go up and the fiver for all of the social welfare recipients. We're not expecting that until January and before we start getting calls and text in, because I'm predicting we do, we always do when we make announcements like this and when the budget has announcements like this there will inevitably be a flurry of calls and texts from people saying when am I going to be getting my extra fiver it mightn't be a lot but I want that extra fiver so we are now endeavouring to try to find out when because certainly in the budget speech yesterday it wasn't announced when the when the extra five euro was going to come in and uh, John Paul is, it, uh, has already been trying to find out this morning and we're told that the increase in the social welfare payment is from January 2020 but but no date yet has been specified. They're waiting on the government in the various departments to give us a date on that. So I don't know if it's going to be the the, bit, the beginning, the middle or the end of January. And that will make a difference. I mean, if it's paid out on the first week by the end of the month, that could be an extra €20 Euro in the pocket of somebody on social welfare. Whereas if it gets paid out at the end, it'll only be a fiver for the month of January. But they, we are being told sometime in January, we'll try to follow that up uh, with the uh, government. Now, as soon as the budget speaks,
speech was made, turned the opposition to step up to the mark and it was Sinn Féin's finance spokesman Piers Doherty who took over. He called the government's carbon tax plan a con job. He said it won't, it, that it will not deal with the issue of climate change. He said an increase in carbon taxes will not provide a single alternative fuel source or means of travel for already hard-pressed households. There was also widespread criticism across the opposition of the government's failure to introduce any budgetary measures that would alleviate the financial burden on people living in rented accommodation. Well, they did extend tax relief for potential landlords. But I have to say, when I was listening to it as well, I kept waiting to say, surely they're going to do something for people in rented accommodation. But I was surprised that nothing was announced uh, for renters. Now, Pascal Donoghue, obviously at the press conferences afterwards, was asked about that. Why was nothing done to try to alleviate what is a huge financial burden on people who are in private rented accommodation? And he said he was concerned that if he offered tax relief to tenants, that was one thing he could have done. He was fearful that that would have just led to a rise in rents and he went on to insist that the best way to address the rising cost of the rental accommodation was to increase the housing supply but it takes uh, some time certainly to build new houses but I suppose the one thing in trying to extend the tax relief to potential landlords, what they're trying to do there is they're trying to get people who have vacant properties uh, to get them to open them up and start renting them out. Your thoughts this morning, please. How you are feeling the morning after Budget 2020. Could the government have borrowed more and given more away? Was there anything not included that you would have hoped would, would have been included? Or is it just a little for everyone but simply not enough. Your thoughts are welcomed. Thetic Micheál Martin said, This year's budget was all about getting back to normal after the pandemic and helping people with the cost of childcare and accessing uh, health. So, to discuss who were the big winners and losers yesterday, I'm joined by our political correspondent, Sean Defoe. Good morning to you, Sean. Morning, Patricia. And congrats on your, your Hall of Fame nomination. <laughs> My first time speaking to you since then, so well, I'm glad yeah. to be speaking to Radio Royalty. Yeah, you're very kind. Thank you very much. Now, things not as bad as they could have been, but I think the, the one of the opening statements from Pascal Donoghue, the debt for every man, woman and child in the country is now €50,000. That was a kind of a shocking figure, wasn't it? Oh, completely. I think when you when you see it put out that starkly, it sort of uh, really lands home with it. The debt is going to be in the region, I think, £218 billion at the minute and after this year, uh, topping £230 billion, which is uh, fifty grand for every man, woman and child, every child born. That was fifty grand national debt kind of saddled over them for something they've never had any association with. It is absolutely mad and it's one of the reasons that they were justifying not going further in this budget because there was an argument that was put to ministers that oh, at the deficit for... 2021 is going to be uh, only 13 billion. And when you say only 13 billion any other year, that would be shocking that we've gone 13 billion over budget, but it was forecast to be about 20 billion. So there's about 7 billion that didn't get spent. And a bit of pressure was put on to ministers to, well, look, there's something we can do with. We'd forecast to have this extra debt. Let's borrow a little bit more. Let's do a bit extra for certain sectors. Pascal Donahue was saying very much last night, we already have a, a massive national debt as a country and going any anything beyond what they did yesterday, he thinks would have been too risky. And do you think he was right? I mean, that resisting the urge to 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 spurge uh, to to splurge. Is there a sense he was right to be a bit cautious? I think 
the, the, obviously it is sensible to be cautious when it comes to things like this because a lot of that debt will have to be refinanced down the line at the minute it's on very low interest rates in the future it might not be and so you are saddling future generations with the debt that they will have to pay for that may impact services in the future but for this budget in particular when we had that uh, the smaller deficit than we thought but also when the European spending rules are still relaxed for this budget in the same way they were last year. This is the last budget that they will be relaxed, so you can go that bit further than otherwise. I think there probably was room to be a bit more creative and to perhaps borrow a little bit more to achieve some real systemic change, because while there was a little for a lot of people in this budget, there's very little you can look at there and go, yeah, that's going to totally change X, Y, Z sector, whatever it is, or, or really change people's lives for the better. I don't think I ever remember seeing a budget where so much appeared to be done for younger uh, people. Um, Is there a sense that they're chasing the younger vote who in the opinion polls are leaning very heavily towards Sinn Féin? Yeah, I think there's definitely a bit of that in this budget. And there's some measures that are really good in there. There's the, the 19 to 23-year-olds getting 50% off their travel. That's coming in in the middle of next year. And Naaman Ryan, I know, wants to retain that and perhaps expand it to other age groups in the future. You also had the free contraceptions for 17 at 25-year-old uh, women. And a lot of people say, well, you know, why is it in that age, particular age bracket? But people I spoke to in government said, look, that's what uh, the task force they set up recommended and that they'll, again, that will get expanded with more money probably out into the future. Uh, rise the Susie Grant, a rise in the minimum wage as well. So lots of bits in there, a lot more than is usually in there for young people. But I suppose... There is a little bit of a sense as well that it's sort of tinkering around the edges. It's lots of shiny things when actually the the big issues that are affecting young people, the one major issue uh, is housing. And there was nothing in this budget for renters. As much as ministers might contest that, absolutely not one single uh, new announcement yesterday for renters. And the, the commitments on housing were just basically we're going to stick to the housing for all plan, which you know was announced with much fanfare a couple of months ago, but didn't exactly allow them to have a sheen on housing yesterday. So while there are definitely positive moves for younger people, I think the big picture issues are still to be addressed. Because I heard Pascal Donoghue when he was being criticised about the fact that there was nothing there for people in private rented accommodation. He said that he was concerned tax relief for tenants would lead to a rise in rents. Yeah, this is uh, something I, I picked up from other government sources last night as well when I was kind of saying, what, why didn't you do anything? And, and some of them were saying, well, look, what exactly could we do? Because there is a, an implicit exception that the Help to Buy scheme uh, just pushed up prices for people who were trying to buy. And they are worried that if they did put in um, it, it, some sort of grant, say they took the Sinn Féin proposal of a, a, a grant every year that would pay one month of rent, that that will just lead to increasing rent. Now, of course, the, the counter-argument to that is, well, if you have proper price caps in place, that, that shouldn't happen and should actually make things better. And Pascal Donahue got a little snippy as well at the press conference yesterday evening when I asked why the only mention in his budget speech to renters was actually a tax relief for landlords. And what he was saying uh, is that, that that particular relief was about preparing homes and, and a grant to help them uh, prepare homes to put back on the market and that the ultimate solution to this is going to be more homes on the market. But I think if you were a renter today, uh, you're, you're no better off than you were yesterday morning, really. And we are later on in this hour going to be talking about how the budget affects uh, motorists. But, uh, you know, as was well flagged, the carbon tax, price of petrol and diesel has gone up uh, overnight with Pascal Donoghue warning that the world is burning. There was never going to be a case that he wasn't going to introduce uh, the €7.50 on the carbon tax, was there? No, and the opposition kind of 
jumped on that one as if it was some sort of surprise. Like that's baked into this budget. It's going to be baked into the next three or four budgets, depending how long this government goes. Seven fifty is going to go up, and it is designed to get people out of their fossil fuel burning cars and to move them towards more sustainable fuels for for homes, etc. I think the, the bigger criticism you can have on that, you know, there is maybe an acceptance the carbon tax needs to happen as the, the stick approach. But is there enough carrot there to help people do that? There was a renewal of the five thousand euro grant towards uh, an electric car that doesn't really go that far if you are trying to buy a new electric vehicle they are very expensive and there was a 200 million euro fund for retrofitting as well but again i think that's only going to affect about 22,000 homes which you think 200 million are going to achieve a lot it's a drop in the ocean in terms of what we actually need to do so while there was some positive moves um, I, i think overall probably more could have been done on climate and there's no banana skins for the government to slip up on. I mean, this this budget will pass. I mean, there's there's no vat on children's shoes or, or anything. I mean, the you know all of the backbench TDs, everyone, you know, they're all happy enough with it. There's enough in it for everyone to claim a win, you know, and in particular with, with the government parties, there there is enough in this budget that each individual party can claim their own wins while distancing themselves from the wins of other parties and kind of sell it to at their own base. As we got. XYZ thing done, you know. I think the the sort of criticism, it, it, it's a hard budget to describe. It's obviously not an austerity budget. It, I Some people have been calling it a giveaway budget. I don't particularly think it is, even though there's a lot of money there, because you look at who is going to be noticeably better off after this, and with the exception of some pensioners who are going to get an increase across three payments if they're benefiting from the fuel allowance, the state pension and the living alone allowance, they're probably benefiting the most at about €13 a week. Higher earners who are on the higher rate of income tax are probably €8 a week better off. We're not talking life-changing money really for anybody. And then just finally, listeners, would you ask Sean about the amount of leaks uh, before the budget? Is this going to be very much the order order of the day from now on? I mean, there was I don't think there was anything announced yesterday that we didn't already know about. No, and it's been trending this way for the last while. I mean, Budget Day used to be this big thing. It was the, the document was going in under the arm and we all gathered around the, the television or the radio to, to have a listen and see what was going to come up in the budget with a genuine, and there was always genuine surprises, things we never heard of. There was not a single thing yesterday. And I kind of was looking out for it all the way through the speeches. I was like, right, there must have been something that we missed, something that we didn't get a leak of. But there wasn't. It was the most anticlimactic budget for a long time. And the, a really weirdly calm day around Leinster House. There's usually a lot of running around, a lot of gossiping, a lot of trying to figure out what's going on. But we had it all, and we had it all so far in advance that there was very little of that. So I think this will be the future. I think the government has now gotten into a cycle of, of selective briefing and uh, a week out from the government, they'll brief, you know, brief on something a couple of days out. The last night before, for example, uh, they kept the news on the student travel and the young person travel until then. So obviously deciding when they wanted certain things to hit the news cycle. And I, I think that's probably what we're going to see for the next few years as well. That's why there was a lot of, you could hear guffing and laughing when the Count Corla was saying everyone was being given a copy of the budget speech, but nobody was to leak anything out. Yeah, it was a, <laughs> it's a very strange one. It was even one of the instructions that we got on the uh, the press gallery is you, you do get an advanced copy of the, the budget as they're getting to their feet and a very strict instruction of not to uh, not to release the information of anything on it, even if a TD happens to have tweeted it or said it with, the, you know, the, the, the thing that we all had it in our morning bulletins or the paper anyway, pretty much everything that was in the budget. So, yeah, so a little bit of a nonsense there when it came to the non-leaking. OK, all right, we'll leave it there, Sean. Listen, thank you for that, and uh, thanks for joining us this morning.
Thanks, Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Sean Defoe, who is our political uh, correspondent. Somebody from Oilers says, Fish, I keep hearing that the price of petrol and diesel has gone up, but nobody's saying by how much. Do you know by how much? Well, it's you see, it's to do with the carbon uh, tax. So it's on a fill of... The example that's used is for every 60 litre fill of petrol, you'll pay about an extra €1.28. And for diesel, it's the carbon tax is €1.48 cent. Uh, sorry, that's the yeah, 1.28 cent. Sorry, that's not a euro. 1.28 for petrol and 1.48 uh, for diesel. It works out, I think it's about two cent per litre for petrol and diesel because remember, on top of the carbon tax, there's VAT on the carbon tax as well that we uh, pay. So you'll see, you'll see it at the pumps. It'll be about two cent a litre for both diesel and petrol. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp. 0862 103 103 Cork today on C103 With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group They don't just talk the talk They walk the walk CMIG.ie Now there was much talk in the lead up to yesterday's budget that older people would need to be looked after especially with rising energy costs and a general rise in the cost of living So to get the reaction of what was announced yesterday I'm joined from Age Action by Nat O'Connor Good morning Good morning to you, Nat. Good morning. And you're, you're welcome to the programme. Now, Age Action, you'd called for an increase of €15 euro in the state pension. I take it, therefore, you were disappointed when it was only €5. Euro. Well, that's right. I mean, the pension hasn't gone up in three years, and we know that the cost of living has gone up hugely uh, for older people uh, across a range of areas. And, of course, I mean, recently we had that spike in energy costs, which, of course, directly affects people's ability to keep their homes warm. But, of course, if that continues, that kind of rise in electricity costs will affect the whole economy because it eventually will come back to consumers and prices in the groceries and transport and everything else. So so we know the cost of living is going up. Now, there was some good news in the budget. Uh, obviously, the, the pension has gone up by €5. Euro, and for those uh, about 4 and 10 older people living alone, there's an additional €3 euro in the living alone allowance. And both of those would kick in in January. Uh, and in addition, there was an increase of €5 euro in the fuel allowance which about three in ten older people get, and it's been made slightly uh, more available that they've changed the eligibility criteria for people who who might have been just at the edge of getting it. Uh, And and that will kick in in about three weeks' time, uh, where people will see that coming through. So so there are some recognition by the government that the cost of living has gone up, but what we're worried about is that overall... You know, people are getting one or two cents in the euro in terms of an you know increase in their income, but so the cost of living is going up by four or five cents in the euro. So it, you know, the, these increases, while welcome, are just not keeping pace with the cost of living. Yeah, and it really is. It's the older people, Nat, who rely solely on the state pension. They're the ones who are already finding it most difficult. Well, this is it. I mean, about seven and ten of us, you know, over the age of sixty-five you know, rely on the state pension as as our main income. So maybe not the only income, but the main income. So people might have a small occupational pension in addition, but this is the core payment. And of course, people pay their social insurance for 45, 50 years, you know, on the understanding that they're paying into an overall pension system that they support the older people when they're at work and now that they're older, that the pension will be sufficient. And that's the key thing here, that the pension will be enough to give people a basic but adequate standard of living. And our concern is that, you know, when you look at the evidence of the range of goods and services that somebody needs to have that kind of basic standard of living, 
that the pension is just not indexed or it's not, you know, it's not lined up with all of those costs, as it would be in other countries um, where they have a different kind of pension system where as the cost of living goes up, there's an automatic increase in the state pension. And we'd like to see a similar system to that here. And you've called on the government for that? We have indeed. Age Action has been calling for that for a number of years. And in the recent report of the Pensions Commission, they too talk about this thing. So indexing and benchmarking would be the jargon, you know, where you'd link the pension to an ideal level of income. And every year it would go up uh, along with the cost of living. You know, when the cost of living goes up or when average earnings go up across the economy, that, you know, there would be an uptake in the pension as a result. Yeah, because I take it many older people now are starting to notice that their pension doesn't go as far as, say, it did five years ago. Well, this is this is just it. I mean, it was €248 as the maximum rate for, for three years. Um, this is the first time it's gone up by the €5. Euro. But of course, you get less for your money. So when we looked at the, uh, compared the pension to inflation, the, the buying power of the pension is down by €10.24 compared to January of 2019. And so just the money isn't stretching as far. And so while the €5 euro would be welcome, it still doesn't catch up with the ten more than €10 euro lost in terms of your ability to buy things. And that all adds up. Yeah, and you know, even we were going to be talking in a moment about how motorists have been uh, affected. Older people driving cars and very conscious of older people li- living in rural areas where the car isn't necessarily a luxury, it's a necessity. You know, when they head out to the petrol pumps this morning, they're paying more for their petrol and their diesel. Well, this is it. I mean, and every cost matters, you know. So if you if you consider, people might say, well, what's a fiver a week? Well, you know, fiver a week adds up to €250 euro a year. And that can be the difference in terms of being able to keep a car on the road, in terms of the NCT and the servicing and everything else, never mind the petrol cost. And we know from people contacting us in advance of the budget, you know, people are cutting back on their, on their quality of life. People are choosing not to go out, or maybe it's not a choice. You know, they're, they're not going out or they're not socialising because they need to keep the petrol in the car for the trip to the doctor or whatever it might be. And that's just not right. I mean, people are being socially excluded because of the cost. Uh, and so, you know, we need to have a, a real focus and hopefully after the Pension Commission's report, there will be a kind of a national discussion about what would be a decent minimum state pension and how can we afford to pay for it? Because obviously there's nothing for free. You know, we do have to work out a funding mechanism, but it can be done. Other countries have done it, but it's a, it's a case of working out how we're going to do it here. OK, and we're an ageing population. So people who are sitting listening to this uh, who are not old age pensioners have to bear in mind they will one day, please God, be an old age pensioner. That's the success story. I mean, it's, the good news is most of us, the, the large majority of us will make it not only to 65, but after the age of 65, we can look forward to 18 or 20 years. And for many of us, that would be health, you know, healthy retirement, active retirement. So we're looking at creating a pension system that will work for all of us. And we'll pay in, particularly when we're of working age, in terms of the social insurance that we pay, that employers pay. Uh, but then you reap the benefits of having a pension system that gives you that base to rely on. Okay. You do still, you're well advised to save an occupation or a private pension if you can, but this is about making sure the state pension is good for all of us. Okay, okay. And just finally, Nat, on the fuel allowance, uh, you say there's been changes to the fuel, uh, to the eligibility for the fuel allowance. Is it important for people who perhaps were turned down in the past now to, to reapply in the coming weeks? If, if there was, if you were slightly above the threshold of income threshold, it's changed it by 20 euro a week in terms of the, the income they're looking at. So 
it's well worth people's while to apply again, absolutely. Um, so the department reckons there's about seven or 8,000 people it already is aware of that are, you know, on its books who, who might get the extra fuel allowance. But you, you do have to apply. It is a means-tested payment. So it's well worth people getting in contact with the Department of Social Protection or the local social welfare office see if they're eligible now for that payment. Yeah, because we had somebody lately actually who had applied and they were only €7 euro over. It was a tiny uh, amount. So there's there's exactly somebody, if it's been changed by €20, euro, that it will affect them. OK, listen, Nash, thank you for that and uh, thank you for talking to us this morning. Not at all, thank you. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Nash O'Connor who joins us from Age Action on the changes that were announced for older people uh, yesterday. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Many callers to this programme have been giving out about the steady rise in petrol and diesel prices over the last year or so and with the increase in carbon tax yesterday motorists now paying more to fill up their tank this morning to get the reaction on yesterday's budget from a motorist point of view I'm joined by Anna Cullen of uh, AA Ireland Good morning to you Anna Good morning Patricia And you are welcome uh, to to the programme Uh, Many motorists asking are they ever going to get a a break Could the government have done anything yesterday to help lower the price of the pumps? Well Patricia we have been keeping an eye on it and as we all know it has been increasing steadily over the past few months and you know even we looked at the figures over the past year and they have jumped by over 24.5% since this time last year for petrol and a little over 24% for diesel. So, I mean, we kind of knew that this was going to come, as they even said, that they wanted to, the government wanted to reduce petrol and cars um, emissions on the roads, and they wanted to reduce them by 25%. So we did know that something was coming in the budget. We just didn't really know what. So I'm sure that we were all glued to the telly and the radio yesterday just to find out exactly what was going to happen so as we do know it is expensive for kind of two reasons so the first would probably be for the simple reason of tax so you would pay about 60 percent tax on a litre of fuel and as well as this supply and demand so obviously as we know during the pandemic the supply and demand they both dropped significantly the COVID-19 pandemic it was devastating for the oil industry um, BP said oil consumption fell by a record 9.1 million barrels per day. So that was the lowest level since 2011. And then if you look at Tuesday, the 28th of September, for the first time in three years, Brent crude oil rose to just about $80. And if you compare that with April of 2020, it dropped to $16. Whoa. So, I mean, demand did to decrease significantly during the pandemic. So that's back. Supplies, supply and demand will need, like demand is increasing, supply, so the supply will need to match this. Because if you look at the traffic volumes here in Ireland, they're back above 95% of pre-pandemic levels on most routes. And as well as that, we're heading into winter, so the temperatures are set to drop even more. So demand is increasing slowly all the time. So we just need to look at what we can do to help this. So supply definitely does need to be increased. So if you look at OPEC, which is a wider group of oil producing nations, 
they usually have regular meetings. So if they did increase production, which is what they do plan on doing, then this could see the price of oil restored to more regular levels in a time. Now, Patricia, that that will be slow and, you know, they don't expect that to happen until next year, 2022, maybe September. So, um, you know, we could see prices rising even more until wow. then. Yeah, and, and that's there's nothing really that the government can do about the price of the barrel of oil on the world market. But it's that 60% that you speak about that of every litre of petrol and diesel we buy that goes straight to the government coffers. That's where they have a bit of a say. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the taxes include excise duty, you know, that's added to the sale of mineral oil, cigarettes and alcohol as well. And then carbon tax, VAT. NORA as well. NORA is added to all oil fuels. Um, that's to ensure that Ireland meets its EU obligations of keeping a 90-day stock of oil in the event of a shortage. So, I mean, they could do more. And even, you know, we've looked at, and we saw, we did see a bit of it yesterday, that they would need to improve public transport or they would need to, you know, improve the grant system for EVs and, and the tax system for them if they did want people to move from petrol or diesel cars because you know people don't want to be sitting in in traffic and they don't they don't necessarily want to be sitting in hours of traffic if they could use public transport they would but it's very hard for people to do that if they're living in rural areas like myself i live in tipperary and you know it's very hard to use public transport if you don't have the infrastructure there and if you don't have the options yeah, and it's the, it's the very same here in Cork uh, as well, Anna, for sure. And then, of course, the carbon tax that was introduced midnight last night, there's VAT on top of that as well. Yeah, so the carbon tax will increase by €7.50 Euro per tonne, so that will bring it to €41. Euro. So, I mean, that's to reduce the greenhouse gas emissions by 7% per year, so that's going to go up by that every year until 2029. So... You know, there will be a rise in the cost of all carbon-based fuels as well. And this will add, I think you spoke about it earlier, two cents per litre to petrol and two and a half cents per litre for diesel as well. So, yeah, I mean, it is quite expensive. So as of midnight last night, a 60-litre tank of diesel rose by €1.48 and a 60-litre tank of petrol jumped by €1.28. So, I mean, we did... expect these increases but this is on the back of what is a 25% increase in prices of petrol and diesel over the past 12 months and as I said already Irish motorists are already paying about 60% in tax at the pump for their fuel at the minute. Yep and it isn't the case a car car is a luxury for many many people it's a necessity. Okay Uh, Anna we leave it there thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Thanks Patricia. Good morning to you that is Anna Cullen of AA Ireland. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your calls and texts coming in. Firstly, uh, Morris was on to us yesterday and my apologies I didn't get around to this uh, call uh, comment yesterday when we were talking about the in advance of the budget and we were expecting the carbon tax so therefore we were expecting diesel and petrol to go up from midnight last night. Morris said that he had noticed when he was travelling between Yall and Cork City he had noticed yesterday morning that he felt many petrol stations had already increased their petrol prices. He spoke of one garage that he knows for sure. The petrol had been at €1.59 the day before and yesterday it had gone up to €1.62. He reckoned that some of the petrol stations had started to increase their prices in advance of 
the carbon tax being put in last night at midnight because that led an additional charge because so many people were rushing out to the petrol stations yesterday to fill up their tanks and uh, he said he certainly noticed a number of garages that he felt put up their prices now no garages if we got onto any of them they would say oh we just got in a new delivery and that was because they, they set the price based on what they buy it in at but Morris thought it was a bit coincidental he reckoned every garage he passed appeared to have put up their petrol prices yesterday in advance of the carbon tax which would be an, an added increase from midnight last night. Kieran in Mallow says a person who is on job seekers and a person who is on a disability allowance two different payments both coming into the same house. Kieran said are you aware that if you have a job seeker and somebody on a disability allowance you're not entitled to the fuel allowance because the job seeker's payment puts the income of the house over the limit. Kieran reckoned that the government had promised they would address that yesterday but he said nothing was done for it. There was a bit of tweaking around the fuel allowance but it's only I think what was mentioned, Nat O'Connor from Age Action mentioned by €20 that's not going to make much of a difference Kieran. if you were only slightly over on the means coming into the house I certainly would be suggesting to anybody to apply again. Eleanor in Carrigaline says there's a lot of talk about old age pensioners getting an extra €13 a week and that's broken down by the €5 euro extra in the state pension, the €5 euro that's going to be given on the fuel allowance. And if somebody is living alone, they'll get an extra €3. Euro. So for some, for some old age pensioners, it'll go up by €13. Euro. But Eleanor says it's actually wrong to even say that. Older people who are receiving all three benefits, she said you have to bear in mind that the fuel allowance is only paid out for half of uh, the year. So it's disingenuous to say that some pensioners will be receiving an extra 13 euro a week they will but it'll only be for half a year and then she says what about people on the fuel allowance who get the lump sum they won't be getting the extra fiver every week well they'll they'll get it into the lump sum instead Eleanor they certainly won't lose out on it Chair in Ahada said he was watching the news uh, last night and he was listening to our Taoiseach Michal Martin saying that it was a fair budget Chair says that had him scratch and he said a fair budget he gives five euro to older people how will that keep them warm this winter what about renters who cannot buy a home there was nothing in yesterday's budget for people who are in private rented accommodation Ger felt it was a good budget if you're rich but he felt there was nothing for the working class he said it's as simple as that they're given two euro here five euro there uh, but not enough to make any difference also he feels there should be no increase in fuel or home heating particularly when there are no alternatives for people John and Mallow says the budget is only to keep the Greens happy with the carbon tax on the increase and then a fiver on pensions and then they also gave money to young people because the government they know themselves are not doing well in the polls so they're giving it in one hand and taking it away in another. Morris is in Glanthorn contacted us he says we have we this is in his own family situation that we've had to get rid of our life assurance policies. We simply can't afford to live at the moment. My big worry now is what would happen if I die and I would be leaving my wife with nothing. He said we, we try to cut down as best we can on food. It's not God, it just breaks my heart when I hear somebody saying that they're trying to cut back on food. He said we're watching everything else. He said we got rid of the health insurance. We're now after getting rid of the life insurance. Morris um, said that he's upset at the moment the way things are going. He doesn't drink. He doesn't uh, smoke. There's nothing else that he can uh, give up. There's nothing else that he can cut back on. They're already cutting back on uh, food, trying to make as much savings as uh, possible and Mara said I worked all of my life 
And that's the situation I find myself in now. That is quite heartbreaking. Stay safe, uh, Morris, and uh, look after yourself. And Agnes was on to say they never increased the price of drink in the budget yesterday. They should have done. Agnes worries about women who live in fear of a husband coming home drunk at night. They increased the price of a packet of cigarettes, but somebody who smokes won't go home and beat up a wife. The same can't be said for people who go out and drink. Now, they didn't say it, but I take it one of the reasons that they didn't touch the drink was for the hospitality sector who were only trying to get back on their feet. I'm assuming that that was it, but there wasn't any mention uh, of it. Somebody else, by the way, was saying that we were driving people mad yesterday by saying that about the carbon tax going up and the price of the petrol and diesel and people were rushing out to fill up their cars. We were, well, we were telling people to rush out and fill up their cars so they wouldn't have to pay the extra carbon tax. That was the reason for it. But somebody said also you were saying that it was going up on the home heating oil. No, we never said that. We were very at pains to point out that the carbon tax on the home heating oil doesn't kick in until uh, May. So it certainly wasn't C103 you were listening to. We were really at pains to point that out yesterday. And then Mary, here's somebody on a state pension when, you know, when they talk about, oh, everyone on state pension is getting an extra five or a week. Mary Mary is one of the ones who won't. Mary doesn't get the full state pension. This is the contributory pension and I'm assuming that's to do with her contributions. I remember the way they changed the contributions as to who would get a full pension and who wouldn't. So Mary gets €222.50. Then she said the last time that they gave out the fiver, she didn't get the full amount. So she said it's wrong to say that everyone on social welfare will receive the full fiver. It'll be a pro rata. So you will get an increase, Mary, but you're right, it will be less. Thank you for that. Hi, Patricia. The budget yesterday, I felt, was a kick up the ass for pensioners and particularly those on the half carers allowance. I won't get the fuel allowance because I am over by €100 Euro a, a week. They, they increased the half carers allowance to hundred and to 120 to 128.50 a week so because of that I don't get the fuel allowance the fuel allowance is worth 33 euro a, a week I feel that the half carers allowance when they're doing the means test for it that that should be exempt I still have to pay uh, carbon tax so my 5 euro extra that I'm entitled to for the pension won't go very far and that is from Khan. There, well, there has, we're going to be talking about carers actually in this hour. I know they have done they've done some uh, on the means test for the carers and on some that's a huge issue. I know they've made some uh, changes but no I think you're caught with that because the fuel allowance is a very strict means test for sure. Micah says Patricia overall it was a budget but something for everybody in the audience and the Greens were not front and centre of it as everybody thought they would be. Yes they did get theirs. They will they could say that their claim to fame was the carbon tax but we knew that was coming in anyway. There was so much going on politically at the moment last week with the corporation tax issue, the Northern Ireland protocol with the budget this week. Things are moving so fast the budget will simply get lost in all of them rather quickly as you will have trolleys rattling the corridors of Leinster House from here on this winter. The excitement has gone out of the budget as we now know most of the contents way before budget day. Remember Phil Hogan had to step down over some leaks before the budget. I don't, but Michael, I take it you remember that uh, clearly. Yes, the pensioners could have done with a few extra euro. Finally, I was watching primetime last night. Michael is critical of Pierce Doherty from Sinn Féin and he describes his, what he was saying yesterday as fairy tale politics. 
but uh, Pascal Donoghue was able to blow him uh, away. Interesting times ahead, says Michael. Whoever thought we would see a Fianna Gael and a Fianna Fáil minister walking into Dáil Éireann together to present a budget. I saw some political commentator likening them yesterday to Anton Deck, but yeah, that picture of the two of them, did we ever think we'd see the day they would have a Fianna Fáil and a Fianna Gael minister standing to have their photographs taken? Yes, uh, you're right. Uh, people would have put money on that that wouldn't have happened a number of years ago. And on the budget, somebody says, Hi Patricia, I'm planning on painting the town red with my extra five euro, says this person laughing out loud. Patricia, I'd love to know, if everyone in the government didn't take their pay rise, what would the total be and how could that money have been spent? Somebody else says, no help in the budget on fuel prices. Everything is going up and because fuel prices is rising, transportation costs will go up. That means we will all be paying more for all of our products. And just one final one from Tim. Neil Martin said that the carbon tax is a disincentive to stop people from burning fossil fuels. What happens if they achieve that? I wonder what they will tax then, says Tim. My daughter was looking at purchasing an electric car. A basic Opel Corsa diesel would set her back €15,000. The same basic electric Corsa is €35,000. Politicians with their exaggerated wages are totally out of touch with how ordinary people have to live this budget according to Tim is a non-budget and I think that is the big problem with electric cars and I know they're incentivising and trying to do everything to get people to move to electric cars but it is the cost side of it and it was one of the criticisms yesterday for the pensioners many pensioners particularly if they're living on on the state pension and even if they have a small little private pension they have to drive around older cars because they simply can't afford a newer car and certainly can't afford to go down the route of the electric cars I think until electric cars come down more in price uh, Tim I think that is going to be a big problem a lot of people would like to move electric but because of the cost of it feel that they can't 1850 103 John Paul taking your calls C103 Jobs An infantry clerk is wanted for a fabrication and glazing factory that's in the Mallow area you need to get your CVs to Joseph at airfacades.com District Health and Leisure there in Silver Springs they're currently recruiting for a housekeeping attendance lifeguards and some gym instructors please email your CV to m.odonovan at district.ie Roscarbury Community Play School are looking for an early years practitioner in the role of AIM support worker. CVs please to Roscarbury Community Play School at gmail.com and the closing date is 12 noon tomorrow. A new market credit union of a vacancy for a cashier now it's to cover a maternity leave. Uh, CVs to dbarrett at newmarketcu.ie Court today on C103 With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group They don't just talk the talk They walk the walk cmig.ie Now yesterday while listening to this programme many people were stopped in their tracks listening to Marion O'Sullivan from Bishopstown outline what life is like for her as a full-time carer to her adult brother Stephen who she's been looking after for the last 15 years since her dad passed away and many hoped that the budget would bring some comfort to Marion and indeed the many other carers around the country. Well to chat about how carers got on in budget 2022 I'm joined by Catherine Cox of Family Carers Ireland. Good morning to you Catherine. 
Good morning, Patricia. Now, I know you listened with great interest to the budget yesterday. What was your initial reaction to what was announced? Um, I suppose it was a, a mixed reaction in that for 14 years we've been lobbying um, for something to be done with the income disregard for carers allowance because we know only one in four carers get it um, and that's basically around uh, because of the means test and because the income disregard has not changed in 14 years. So um, one of the first things we heard is that uh, Minister Humphreys has um, increased the income disregard for carers allowance and what that means is Potentially, I suppose, thousands more family carers will be eligible to either get the full allowance or a part of the carer's allowance now as a result of that. So, look, we welcome that. Um, It probably, look, it's a step forward. But I think overall, the budget yesterday did very little in terms of challenges and um, obstacles that carers face around things like access to respite, access to supports in their home. Now, I didn't hear Marion yesterday, but I am aware of her situation. Um, and I know she did a piece with the newspaper recently as well. And I know a big issue for her is access to respite. I think she, has she hasn't none. had respite no. in three years. No, yeah. she So look, at that budget yesterday did nothing from what we can see to address that massive challenge that family carers are facing. So while we welcome um, what happens on the social welfare side, now having said that as well, five euro a week is not going to help carers who are already financially struggling. Um, The carers allowance itself should be raised. Uh, They recognise that, you know, family or people in the country couldn't live on less than 350 a week when they brought in the pop payment, yet they still expect carers, even with the five year increase, to live on 224 euro. That's a good point. That's that's a really good point. But and do you believe, if nothing else, the pandemic has showed how much this country depends on the care provided by families? Absolutely. And I actually believe they have completely been the forgotten front line in this pandemic because they were ignored. They were not listened to. They were unseen and they were unheard. They didn't get priority for PPE, for vaccinations, for testing. And I think as we come out of the pandemic, and I've said this many times, we need to look and see Care in the home, it's the safest place for somebody to be cared for. We know that from the pandemic because people in nursing homes, congregation settings, the pandemic took hold. Whereas people who were living in their home, carers were able to continue caring safely for them. But they did that at a huge cost to their own mental health and well-being. And, you know, family carers like Marion not having a break for three years and more, they will reach burnout. They will not be able to continue to do that. Family carers save the state, and we use this figure, 20 billion euro every year. Yet that contribution to our health services and to our society and communities is completely ignored. Um, So we have to move away as well from, um, you know, looking at carers as almost a burden and even placing them in social protection and then having to get a social protection payment for the work that they do. Um, We're starting off probably on the wrong foot. Carers really should be paid for work done, many caring 24-7, many and most caring well over 40 hours per week, yet they have no entitlements to rest, to a break, uh, to respite, 
or to the vital supports that they need to allow them to continue caring safely. So we really do need to look at it from a health perspective about how we can ensure and support family carers to keep caring safely for their loved ones. Yeah, because the one thing that Marion outlined yesterday when I was talking about how she was getting on, how she got on during the pandemic, and she was saying like her brother Stephen, his day service closed for a full year. Uh, She was at home with Stephen on her own, uh, no support, no respite, and she just said she watched him go downhill as well, which has now made her role as a carer even harder. Uh, and I mean, that is so common, such a common theme that we've heard right across the country, particularly people for caring with children or adults with either intellectual disability, mental health difficulties, or indeed older people with dementia as well. They have literally watched their loved ones regress before their eyes. They lost, as you said, day services. They also lost vital therapies, speech and language, OT, physio. Um, And so they have gone backwards, I suppose, in those 18 months. And it has fallen on the family carer. They have almost had to become the nurse, the doctor, the physio, the OT and everything else. And they've had to do that on their own. It is unfair. It is unjust. And it is also completely inconsistent across the country because some day services are now open five days a week. Some are open four days. Some are three days. So, again, you have that inequitable support right across the country, that postcode lottery, where you live determines what you will or what you won't get. And that was a huge piece that we had put into our pre-budget submission that we wanted to see supports put in place in every area so that every family care, regardless of where they live, would have access to those supports and Mm. services. And we've heard nothing of that in the budget yesterday. And, you know, and that sounds extremely negative. As I said, you know, we do welcome, you know, that the income disregard has moved, has increased. That is a significant step. We'll bring thousands more into that net But long-term, family carers have to be supported and recognised for the work that they do. And we cannot continue just to to give them um, little platitudes or, you know, small amounts every year and think that they'll just keep going. They won't. They'll reach burnout. They won't be able to continue. And the cost of residential care for the people that they care for will be a far greater cost than the cost of supporting family cares. Care 100%, 100%. Just on the income disregard, I know it's it's going to raise, it's going to go up to €350 Euro for a single person, 750 for a couple. But there was also changes to the savings that won't be counted for means testing yep. assessment. It's gone from 20000 to 50000 The listener says, uh, Patricia, on the qualifying for the carers allowance, the first 50000 in savings is disregarded. But in a couple's situation, are they allowed 100000 that's a good question, Patricia, and um, I'm pretty sure it's 50,000 for both. But you know what? Will you leave that with me? Please and I do. will actually come back to you on that. Yeah. We will check that out, and I'll be 100%. I won't give an answer in case yeah. I give the wrong one. But I will definitely check that out and come back to you and let you know, and you can let your listeners know. Okay. And again, and- look, that that is a positive one around the income disregard. But because quite often a carer, if they can, are trying to save a little bit for the long-term care of their loved one, and they were penalised up to this, 
Um, so at least that extra 30,000 allows them to have that without being penalised and without their carer's allowance. Uh, yeah, people, going people wanted to keep that for a rainy day and, you know, they, and they gave them peace of mind to know they a bit of a rainy day fund. And just on the changes to the income regard that we've mentioned, uh, to say the, I can't believe that it's the first change in, in 14 years. People who've been refused carer's allowance in the past because of this means tested nature of it, are you saying to them to reapply? Absolutely. So they need to look at now, go back and look at how much their income was over by. Um, and with that increase, it may be that they would either get maybe the full amount or a reduced amount of carer's allowance. Also, you have about 25,000 people who are on the carer support grant. Now, they're getting that grant, but not getting carer's allowance because their income may have been over the threshold. So they should also review um, their application because they may very well now fall within the NASH as well. Um, so potentially that could mean thousands more would be eligible for the, for the allowance. So it it is a positive step. And to be fair, Minister Humphreys has been the first one who has brought this forward in, as I said, 14 years. Care's allowance. Now, the payment itself, you know, was, was less than it uh, today, last year, say, than it was in 2009. The five-year increase will bring it slightly over, but you know, we do need to see that increase significantly yeah. uh, over the coming months. And, and we've no way, we've no way of knowing at this stage, and even the minister doesn't know how many how many people will be able to get the carers' allowance until people start applying. No, we've yeah. asked that question. They said potentially thousands, uh, and it could be tens of thousands, depending on how much people might have been over um, when they when they applied applied previously. But I would encourage people to go back and look and see. If their salary was over by a small amount, for example, um, they may then be eligible for part or full uh, carers allowance payment. Okay, another listener is asking about the domiciliary care allowance. She heard something mentioned on that. She gets it because she's got a special needs child. Yeah, yeah. Now the change to that is that um, in the past, if somebody was getting domiciliary account, a domiciliary allowance, and the child they were caring for was in hospital, if that child was in hospital for more than thirteen weeks, then the domiciliary payment stopped. But now, with the change yesterday, the child could be in hospital for up to six months, and they will still keep their domiciliary care allowance payment. So that okay. was the change, which again, another we welcome to her. Another yes, welcome, absolutely. And yes, then yes. a listener desperate for respite. Was there anything in the budget uh, to say that we will finally get respite back? I mean, this is just a huge uh, issue, Catherine. It it is, and it's the one that we we wrote again this morning because we heard nothing in the budget around respite, nothing from Minister for for Health around that. So we have gone back to the department and said, have we missed something? Is there something in there that we didn't hear? I'm not optimistic that we did. We would usually have known by now if there was something in there. It is probably one of the biggest challenges facing family carers. We had looked for a minimum 20 days respite for carers so that they would have the same as anybody who's in the workforce, 20 days um, holidays or annual leave, whatever you want to call it. We Look, we, we probably knew that mightn't come straight away, but there was nothing there yesterday that talked about respite. There wasn't even, you know, most years in the budget you hear an increase in home care hours, home care packages. We didn't even get that message. So whether it's there and did not come out yesterday, that's the question we've asked. But as it stands, 
really nothing done on the health side uh, to support family carers uh, in yesterday's budget. Which is shocking. It really is shocking. Mm. Okay, listen, Catherine, thank you for that. And Thanks, uh, keep, keep fighting I the will, good fight. You're doing we great. We will, of course. Yeah. And we will come back on that Thanks. issue of the, the savings. Thanks thank a million. You. Thanks a million. That's uh, the lovely Catherine Cox uh, speaking on behalf of Family Carers uh, Ireland. 1850 at uh, 333 103. We've been talking about fuel allowance. Somebody said, do all old age pensioners get the fuel allowance or is it only the non-contributory uh, pensioners? Uh, no, old age pensioners are entitled to it but it's a means tested one so it's only if it is within their means. If for example an old age pensioner might have a private pension that would push them o- over uh, the means. So no, it isn't just for people on non-contributory uh, pension but people need to apply and that's the one point we're trying to get across because there has been changes both to now the carers allowance that we heard from Catherine uh, to how that income is disregarded for that but also there has been changes to the way a fuel allowance is given to anyone who's entitled to a fuel allowance. So for particularly for people who made an application in the past and were just over, they certainly will need to reapply. John Paul is taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Well, leaving the budget aside for a moment and moving on to a completely different topic because October is National Reuse Month. And to help us all play our part, Cork County and City Councils have launched an initiative called Revive Paint, which involves the production of good quality paint by using the paint that is handed in to our local civic amenity sites. To discuss the initiative, I'm joined by Cycle Sense in West Cork by Ruth Bullo and I'm also joined on the line by Michelle Green from Cork County Council. Good morning to you ladies. Good morning. And you're welcome. Michelle, can I start with you? How much paint is dropped off to civic amenity sites every year? Um, yeah, we estimate around 190 tonnes of paint is collected at um, our 11 civic community sites across the county. Um, and I suppose much of that paint would be exported mainly for incineration. So I suppose it comes at a huge cost to the environment and a financial cost. So I suppose we're very keen to support this initiative which keeps the paint in circulation and reuse for longer. So it's a perfect example yeah, of the circular and, economy initiative. And that's a lot of paint. And we, and we all, when if we decide to paint a room or we're painting our house or whatever it is, it's hard to judge exactly how much paint you're going to need. We all end up with half tins of paint. We do, absolutely. And I suppose we would encourage people, if they have leftover paint, that they would dispose of it correctly by taking it to civic community sites. I suppose I should say of that 190 tonnes, about 60% of it we estimate to be water-based. So that is the only uh, paint that we inf- that goes to the, the Revive Paint initiative. Oil-based paint can't be, um, be reused, so it's the, Water the water-based based paint only. And we would encourage people to bring all types of paint though, to civic community sites. That's the kind of correct way to dispose of it. Yeah, you don't want it going into landfill. No, absolutely. Yeah. We want to kind of push it up the waste hierarchy and keep it in circulation for as long as possible, increase reuse and, and prevent waste. Well done, well done. Okay, so let me bring in uh, Ruth from CycleSense in uh, in Skibbereen in West Cork. Uh, good morning to you, Ruth. Um, tell me about what you actually do with all the paints that you collect from the civic amenity sites. Well, um, we bring the paint back to our workshop and uh, from there, to, well, initially actually when we visit the civic amenity sites, we first um, go through all the bins and um, we open the pots of paint and 
uh, make sure that we're collecting only good quality paint. So we make sure that it's not um, been damaged or um, gone off. And then we load it all into our van. We take it back to the workshop. And from there, it's uh, consolidated into its colours to kind of um, make it slightly smaller, you know, amount of tins in um, our workshop. From there, we then, you know, we, we're still, still experimenting with colours, but we have a, uh, a range of colours that we make. And uh, so to do that, if we're making a blue or, oh, you know, we made a lovely colour um, we called sea, uh, sea Swim, a, a kind of green last week. And uh, so we bring all the colours that we hope will make that when we um, do lots of testing until we're happy. Then we bring it all together in a big blue barrels. Um, first of all, it's sieved and then it's mixed thoroughly for a good half an hour, 40 minutes. Then they, uh, it's all decanted um, and labelled um, into 5.6 litre pots. And uh, we, they're all given a batch number and the date and, you know, so it's, um, and then they're put it on our shelves. But, but you're inventing your own colours, really, by mixing yeah. old paints together to come up with that blue or the green or whatever it is. I suppose we are creating yeah, a West Cork range of colours. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it, it is, is, it is really. <laughs> and how much paint have you produced to date? Oh, we've produced about um, 300 pots, I think, of paint. So we have paint to produce that much. We've made about um, 150 pots so far. Yeah. So if somebody's coming great. in to buy paint, you, you better make sure you buy enough because that colour might be there the next time you go. I suppose, yeah. So, yeah, the colour is an interesting thing. I think as as we go by, as we get um, more experience, we will be able to, you know, uh, replicate colours by eye anyway. But uh, we would advise people that if you are, you know, painting a room, um, that you get you buy enough paint to do the whole job because yeah. it, um, matching isn't something that we probably will be that good at. Um, but um, we can, you know, make... If somebody wants, we've made some a blue that somebody wanted for the outside of their house and we had to kind of roughly match it and I think we did a very good job. Well done, well done, well done. <laughs> and where, where do you put it? Is it just on sale at, at uh, CycleSense in, in Scape or where are you selling it? It is. It is. It's um, on sale from our workshop only at the minute. Uh, we're open four days a week from 10 till 5. And you're getting good reaction? We're getting a great response. I th- um, yeah, we're still really at the kind of beginning stages. It's just kind of taking off now. Um, we need a little bit more help and labour. Um, we're juggling, we're very busy people, so we're juggling our cycle training as well, and we have a bike reuse project going there too. But, um, yeah, we have um, a great sense of community and feeling, and people are uh, stepping in to, um, yeah, get off the ground. And yeah, the people who've bought the paint, have, uh, we've had a great fo- positive feedback. I just, I just love the idea of anything that we can reuse, anything that doesn't go off mm. to be incinerated or doesn't go off into landfill. It's just fantastic and we need to be encouraging it as much as we can. So, Michelle, that's where you come in at the civic community sites. We need people now to have a good route around. We all, we're all guilty of it. We all have half tins of paint at home somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose that the, the correct method of disposal is to bring it to one of the 11 civic community sites across the county. Um, and look, it keeps the material or the, the, the material in circulation for as long as possible. And it's a kind of a true circular economy initiative. Just to say as well, you can also buy the product in NC, the Northside Community Enterprises in Farron Ferris in the city. Um, and also there will be a market in St. Peter's Church uh, next week on Wednesday, Thursday and Friday between 12 and 2 p.m. 
where the paint will also be available. So, um, both, so we have two projects, two social enterprises who are actually producing the paint. So there's plenty of opportunity for, for them to scale up their production given the amount of paint that we do collect at Pacific Community Sites. So I suppose we really just want to encourage people to you know, to dispose of their paint properly in the first instance, but also to, you know, if they're doing some renovations at home or in their businesses, just to, to give it a go while, I suppose, it's saving the money because it actually is being sold at cheaper than buying a new uh, a new paint. It's it's also a very high-quality product. I suppose they've gone through a very rigorous process of training and it goes through a double filtration system, so I suppose I, people shouldn't have any concern about the quality of the product. And um, I suppose just say social... So, uh, Psychosense and NC have also been mentored by a project in Dublin who've been doing this for years, the Rediscovery Centre. So we know it works and we know that, that, that a quality product can be produced. So we would just really encourage people just to try the paint, um, but also, I suppose, look at what they have in their homes and dispose of the paint correctly. Yeah, and get it get it back out there and back into the circular economy and, yeah. and let, let's get it used again. That's an obvious question that I should have asked Ruth. How much do you sell the paint for, Ruth? Uh, we sell it for um, it's two point five per um, it's two and a half euros per litre, two fifty a litre. So thirteen seventy five for the pots of the white and magnolia, or fourteen seventy five for coloured okay, and well masonry done. pots. Well so done. that's about a, a kind of a, a third um, cheaper than what some of the main brands out on the. Um, and is there a the job? Market. Is there job creation potential out of this, Ruth? If it really takes off. Oh, certainly. I'd say so. Definitely. We can definitely see the potential. Um, and we're looking to, um, you know, get a part-time employment out of it initially and then potentially full-time. And that's the same with the um, NCE in um, Cork City. Yeah, I, I, I definitely. I, I think, think there is. There. Yeah. And there's, you know, it really gives us opportunity, training opportunities and upskilling, um, you know, so... Um, yeah, I think it has a lot of potential. Well done. Well, well done. And just remind us about uh, Cycle Sense in Skibbereen. I couldn't believe when I when I was looking at this yesterday. You're up and running since 2007. Yeah, we have been. Yeah, yeah. Just to remind uh, us about what you do. Okay, we we're um, we're a cycle training um, enterprise, social enterprise, and uh, reuse workshop. So we started initially tra- um, cycle training, and that is what we do a lot of the time. So we have three instructors and we have somebody else coming on. And we roll out the national, national program, the Cycle Right program in the national schools. Uh, we also work with adults and um, other a range of groups and we uh, run events. Um, and uh, we are a great advocacy for active travel. So we do our best to encourage people to get out on the road and give them the you know, skills and confidence. We help with a, a, a cycle bus in Skibbereen mm. um, where... School kids are marshalled uh, uh, round in a group and dropped off to school Brilliant. in the morning. So we, we help with that, and uh, we have a, a small delivery bike, and um, and then of course the bikes are. We also when when we collect paint, we also collect bikes from the civic community site. Aha. So, so those are brought in <laughs> and broken so down people, for parts. Yeah, so people who drop off old bikes that they have in their sheds and their garages, you'll take a look at them, and if they're of any use, you'll grab them and, and bring them back to Skip. Yeah, yeah, we've collected over a hundred, I'd say, at least um, in the last six months, and uh, we have piles of them there. So there's a lot of work there, breaking them down, and um, again, that's a great upskilling project for the community because we um, can train people um, into how to look after the bikes and use bikes, and then and then we um, can offer you know good quality uh, rebuilt bikes 
uh, back for sale into the community. Brilliant. It yeah. really is really is, is fabulous. And Michelle, that's what it's all about, isn't it? You, you try at the civic community sites if you can find a use for something that's donated. Yeah, look, I suppose we, we want to try and encourage as much reuse activity in the county as we can. So I suppose the Paint uh, Reuse Initiative is one project that we're working on. We've also supported uh, CycleSense's Upcycling of Bikes Initiative as well. So anything, uh, we, we'll, we'll constantly be looking for ideas for new projects to, to look at what we can reuse. Um, I suppose just to acknowledge the role of the EPA as well, the Environmental Protection Agency, who've been um, who've supported the project with funding as well through the Local Authority Prevention Programme. Um, I suppose they support local authorities to implement waste prevention and reuse initiatives across the country. Um, so they were very keen to support paint reuse in Cork. So um, we're very grateful for their support too. OK, well, the best of luck to uh, revive uh, paint. And to Ruth and Michelle, thank you both for joining us on the programme this morning. Good morning to you. Uh, bye bye. That is uh, Ruth Bullo from CycleSense in West Cork and Michelle Green of Cork County Council. And my apologies to Maeve who sent in a question for Catherine Cox of the carers that I didn't get to but she was wondering about the respite grant that is paid out in June. Is that in, still intact after the budget? Yes it is still intact. Uh, there was no mention of it because it didn't increase or decrease so it remains as is and is paid out in the first week isn't it in June so the respite grant. I know the carers Family Carers Ireland had looked for an increase in it but they didn't get that yesterday but it remains as is 1850 we'll go through more of your comments that are coming into the programme looking for gardening questions as well please because it's Wednesday and uh, Peter Dowdle will join us that's all up after news at 12 Court Today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance cmig.ie You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. If you've got a question for Peter Dowdell, our resident gardener, you can get those in because he'll be joining us uh, in the next few minutes. So questions for Peter, please. You can call John Paul at 1850-333-103 or you can straight into me here at the studio by text or WhatsApp to 0862-103-103 and I meant to at the start of the programme but we got so caught up with the budget uh, I meant to give a mention and I'll do it now to say how saddened I was yesterday to hear of the death of Paddy Maloney from the Chieftains founder member of the Chieftains and the last one of the original members who started the Chieftains back in 1962 and at the age of 83 his family announced that he passed away on Monday and so many people really saddened by that news uh, yesterday and our own President Michael D. Higgins was one of the first out uh, to describe uh, Paddy Maloney. He said he had extraordinary skills as an instrumentalist, notably the Illin Pice but also the Bowrom and he was at the forefront of the renaissance of interest in Irish music bringing a great appreciation of Irish music and culture internationally. President Higgins said that Paddy's legacy will remain with us in the music that he created and brought to the world and he went on then to extend his deepest, deepest condolences on behalf of all of the people of Ireland to Paddy's family, in particular to his wife Rita and uh, the children Angus, Podrick and uh, Aideen. The performer has been credited with bringing traditional 
and Irish music into the mainstream and his passing has sparked a wave of tributes uh, from uh, from all throughout the music uh, industry. The Chieftains, probably one of the best known Irish trad groups in the world. Again, you'd be surprised to hear and then in many ways not surprised because their music was so wonderful. They actually won six uh, Grammys and obviously that musical, enormous music, mu- musical legacy that he's left behind for future generations. Everybody will know who Paddy Maloney was and who the Chieftains were. And he grew up seemingly in a musical family and he began playing the tin whistle. The tin whistle was the first instrument he was ever given as a president, as a present. And he taught himself the tin whistle and of course he moved on to the Illin Pipes. And I suppose the Illin Pipes for me is the one thing I will always associate, uh, associate with Paddy Maloney. Uh, Maura McGrath who's chairperson of the National Concert Hall she said yesterday Ireland has lost a true talent and an advocate for traditional music and I heard RT presenter John Creedon you know also very saddened here by the death of Paddy but you know he was saying he was such a key player in Ireland's soundtrack for over 60 years and he went on to talk about the number of people that Paddy had actually uh, played with and I heard someone else say that it was hard yesterday when the news broke that Paddy had died it was hard to find somebody who hadn't played or who Paddy Maloney hadn't played with. And one that I wasn't aware of, and John Paul, I think he, he said Francis Black uh, shares this one, that Paddy Maloney actually did session work with the Muppets. <laughs> that was the one I didn't know. Like he also worked with the likes of Mick Jagger, Paul McCartney, Sting, Stevie Wonder, to name but a few. So we have lost one of Ireland's true, true greats. But, you know, as everybody's saying, his music will live on and his musical legacy uh, will live on. That's the late Paddy Maloney. May he rest in uh, peace. And I've had a lovely email from Philip in Clonakilty uh, who writes to say Greetings Patricia. It was with sadness that I learnt of the death of Chieftain's Chief the highly talented Paddy Maloney. Sad for trad music too, so soon after the passing of the wonderful Tony McMahon on the 8th of this month. I worked with Paddy Maloney when he was chief clerk in Baxendale's Builders Providers in Dublin. That would have been in the 60s. It was, says Philip, my first proper job as a junior clerk and I found him to be very chirpy, humorous and helpful to this little rookie. And he, as he had started the Chieftains, he was asking me on a number of occasions, are you interested in trap music? My musical likings were otherwise, so perhaps I missed a chance to become one of the Chieftains and I love and play that music now. May Paddy and Tony be trotting out the tunes in heaven. Or yes, day ago, Rev and Annam, and that's from Philip Joyce in in Clonakilty. And Philip, at the end of his tech of his email, says Patricia Paddy and Risha's daughter Aideen played my grand aunt Eva Joyce, sister of James Joyce, in the. 2000 film Nora remember that movie about Nora Barnacle and I've just realised that Philip Joyce uh, Philip regularly contacts the programme by email from uh, Clam and with the surname like Joyce I never realised that his great uncle was James Joyce you never know who you're speaking to. Thank you for that, uh, Philip. And as I say, a lot of people like yourself were very sad to learn of the death of the very, very talented Paddy Maloney. And thank you for your email to Patricia at c103.ie. And then carry over from yesterday. Remember yesterday somebody was asking about, we were bemoaning the fact that the Bank of Ireland branches had closed. A number of them, we know 88 closed last Friday and a number of them closed in the Cork area. And we were hearing about Dunmanway. The sign was coming down from the Bank of Ireland, from outside the Bank of Ireland 
Ireland branch and I'm assuming that that's what's happening everywhere. They're taking down the signs and people are saddened to see their bank going. In many towns it's the last bank standing so there's a, a huge element of a sadness and frustration that the bank uh, is gone. But we had a couple of people saying will the ATM machines that are outside the bank will they remain in place and in particular somebody was asking us about the ATM machine in Canturk because Canturk is one of the branches to close. So we got on to now in fairness a number of listeners got on to a straightaway and said no they were boarding up the ATM machines but in the meantime we got on to Bank of Ireland just to get it definitively confirmed that all of the ATMs outside the banks are they all gone and they say yes that all of the bank branches they've decommissioned the ATM machines but they want to point out that they are now they now have a new partnership with OnPost which is allowing Bank of Ireland customers to make cash and that's notes and coins you can make lodgements and withdrawals and you can make check lodgements by going into any of your local post offices and obviously we're trying to do everything we can to keep post offices going so if you are a Bank of Ireland customer and your branch has closed anything you would normally have done in the Bank of Ireland you can now do in your local post office we need to keep or use it or lose it is definitely the mantra when it comes to the post offices so thank you to Bank of Ireland for updating us on that can you keep your gardening questions coming in for Peter please and while we await those let me take a look at some of your texts still coming in uh, Mossy says hi Patricia this is on the budget basically we have to accept that life is unfair and it's got swings and roundabouts. Life is not all honey and roses, much as we'd love it to be. The government TDs gave themselves three pay rises in some 18 months and those on social welfare yesterday get a pittance of five euro a week. Hopefully the unfairness unfair, in life has peaked. And that's from uh, Mossy. Thank you for that, uh, Mossy. Hi, Patricia. Why are we giving out about yesterday's budget? No matter what happens, the politicians will always win. Wait now and you'll hear a pay increase. Why? Because they're working so hard for us. What a load of, well, we won't say that word on there. And that is from uh, Mike. And someone else says, Patricia, before such important decisions are made regarding pensioners for example and the giving out of five euro a week by way of an increase. I feel that all ministers in government should be asked to spend at least one week on the allocation that pensioners and other people on social welfare get to live on. Ask them to live on that for seven days. It would be interesting to see would it not how many of them would actually cope says one of our listeners, no name on that uh, text. And here is a great text in, there's no name on this. And this is to do with something else that was announced in the budget yesterday. Hi, Patricia, I'm only getting a chance to text you now. What are the government doing by increasing the weeks off for young parents? I think this is utter bull, says this listener. This is the increase in the uh, leave, the paternity leave from two weeks to seven weeks. This is after a newborn baby is born. Uh, A dad can take two weeks off and from, I think it's July of next year, I think the baby has to be born, by the way, because I know I saw somebody on Twitter who's recently had a baby, thought they could get the seven weeks off. Now you can't. It's from July of 2022. It'll go from two weeks to seven weeks. This listener thinks that that is complete and utter rubbish. And they say in their text, for the past few years, we've been constantly hearing about mental health talk. For God's sake, are they trying to fill mental hospitals and clinics or what? What way will these people be looking into each other's faces every day? What will they be doing? We will have marriage breakups and mental illness and who will mind the the children then? Working from home is another load of 
I can't use that word. Uh, sure, everybody knows we need to mix to keep sane. It won't work. That's why we have zombies ruling the world. They're drawing big wages from the comfort of their own home and they don't understand what the body and mind uh, need. So there's somebody who feels that if you give the dads rather than two weeks off you give them seven weeks off what will they be doing well I think the mothers will find a lot of things for them to be doing to help their mum who's just had the baby and there will be a lot of and again a lot of that time off is optional whether the parents want whether the dads want to take it or not because when it was first introduced it was hard to get fathers uh, to do it some fathers love the idea of being at home with the newborn baby and bonding so important to bond uh, with the newborn baby so a lot of parents will welcome it there'll be others who won't and I'm assuming the ones that don't like this texter can stay at home they are, can go, go, go into work they don't have to uh, stay at home and again on the working from home that's very much a personal issue as more and more people are starting to go back into the office you're hearing from people some people can't wait to get back into the office some people found working from home extremely difficult and you're right we are sociable creatures and it does help with our sanity if we are being sociable with work colleagues but there are others and probably some listening to the programme today who loved the idea of working from home loved the work-life balance that has given them I suppose in the main people who were forced to commute if you've got a long commute in the morning and again in the evening to get you to and from the office the notion of working from home actually will keep some people sane they think it's insanity to be commuting so much so we can't say that that one size fits all that working from home is bad for everybody uh, and therefore everybody needs to go into the office because what works for some people won't won't work for others and it's the very same with the paternity leave going from two weeks to seven weeks it will work for some but it won't work for uh, all and obviously with your thoughts in that text uh, you certainly don't think it would work for you 1850 I can see questions coming in from Peter keep those coming uh, please and just a final text in this bunch uh, says this is on electric cars when we were talking about the cost of electric cars and there is this push to try to get more of us to drive electric cars. But Donald is making the point, even if we all were able to afford to move to electric cars, what good are electric cars when we don't have any power? Donald reckons that those cars draw, draw huge amounts from the grid. Imagine when people come home from work, everybody decides to plug in their car at the same time. Then they're turning on the oven and the kettle and the TV is going on and everything else electrical in the house. Should the grid would crash, says Donald. So he thinks on that, from that point of view, will we have enough electricity to keep everybody going if everybody converted to electric cars? 1850 John Paul taking your calls. In particular, looking for your gardening questions for Peter, please text or WhatsApp 0862 103 The C103 Cork Diary with Cork County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie The Yall Community Meals on Wheels service they are looking for new volunteers to join their delivery rotas now the service operates Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays it covers Yall Town and the environs and it also covers the Castle Martyr area if you've got any spare time on your hands and you would like to volunteer can you contact Richard please on 087 283 1365 or you can email Meals on Wheels Yall at gmail.com 
and St. Brogan's Tractor Run in aid of School Enhancement Fund will be held next Sunday. It will leave from Bandon GAA grounds with registration open between 11am and 12.30 next Sunday. And the following Friday week, the Terence McSweeney weekend gets underway. This commemorates the former Cork Lord Mayor and his fellow hunger strikers. It'll be held in the Independence Museum in Kilmurray from Friday the 22nd to Sunday the 24th. It's the bank holiday weekend. Full details are available on their website, which is kilmurraymuseum.ie. Or if you'd like to call them for more details, you can 021 733 6932. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. The Premier League Live is back this Sunday on C103.ie with Trevor Welch. It is powered by Talk Sport. We're bringing you live coverage this weekend of Watford versus Liverpool. That's at 12.30. Southampton versus Leeds United. That's at 3.00. And then Brentford are taking on Chelsea at 5.30. That's the Premier League Live Online would now stream live action with BT. Sport, Premier Sport with the Now Sports Extra membership. You can listen Saturdays on the C103 app or you can go to c103.ie. Let me go back to some of your thoughts coming in, talking about the closure of the bank and people bemoaning the fact that Bank of Ireland has closed 88 of its branches nationwide. A listener says, if people are so annoyed about Bank of Ireland closing 88 of their bank branches, then why don't they vote with their feet if they are? Members close their accounts and open up one at Umposton instead. Bank of Ireland and the bankers then might be quicker to consider closures in the future if this happened en masse. And someone else actually has given out about banks saying the one thing that they've noticed, while bank staff can be extremely helpful, a lot of them speak too loud to the customers. I was in my local bank branch and I could not help hearing exactly what was being said to another customer. And yeah, it can make you feel a little bit awkward as well if it's something that you really feel you shouldn't be hearing, like very personal information. Uh, this listener says, where is their training and where is, the, where is their cop on? Do they really need to shout so loudly? I don't know, is, was there a screen or something in the way or were they, then if it's, you know, if it's somebody, say for example, maybe an elderly person who's hard of hearing, is there not an office they can bring somebody into? Um, but I, I agree with you that that is rather, I think it makes everybody else in the queue feel a little bit uncomfortable if you think you can hear every single word that has been said at the counter. Now, can anybody give advice to one of our listeners, please? Trish, would you know, can I do anything with my washing machine? I can't get a horrible smell. I'm getting a horrible smell from it every time I've opened the door. Now, before people give advice, I have already tried vinegar. I've tried bread soda. It's a whirlpool make, if that's of use to anyone. It's driving me crazy, says this listener. The clothes now are not coming out smelling fresh, even though I'm using a fabric softener all of the time. Yeah, you see, I was about to say vinegar. I mean, I've done the one with the where you wash the vinegar through it. And that normally works. You can buy products as well. You can buy, 
a kind of washing machine cleaner. Have you tried any of those? And and, and, and listen, I'm just scratching my head. I don't. I know I've used washing machine cleaner before, but I don't know what brand I've actually used. But can anybody else help with a horrible smell? Tried the vinegar and the bread soda. Does anybody know? Because it's usually the smell is around the ring, isn't it? The, the rubber ring. It's to get in there, and you can. It'll be quite discoloured as well normally. Anyway, if anyone's got suggestions for our listeners, driving their nuts because the washing machine is working perfectly. We've already been talking about recycling and upcycling and one of the best things we can do for the environment is not to change our appliances so much so I don't want you rushing out and buying a new one in, but let's see if we can sort that out if anybody has had a bad smell coming from the washing machine so bad now that the clothes aren't smelling fresh suggestions please 1850-333-103 and questions for Peter keep those coming and while we're waiting on those just let me wrap up on some of your thoughts still coming in on the budget someone says the condescending attitude of Regina O'Doherty on the Tonight Show last night would make you sick did anybody else notice that you think she was doing us a favour on raising taxes and sprinkling a few euros to the plebs. How would they live on the way they tax people on an average wage? What about those who get up in the morning and do a hard day's work? There was nothing in the budget for them yesterday. Someone else says, because I'm on a widow's pension, I only get a half carer's allowance. I'm caring for my special needs daughter and I've been doing that for 52 uh, years. There was a time where somebody on one social welfare payment was given if they were doing full-time care they were given the carers allowance but they stopped that uh, for sure and it went down to a half carers allowance and no sign of that uh, changing. We are old age pensioners we as old age pensioners do not get the fuel allowance because we have family living in with us. We've got two boys. Now, if we throw them out of the house and get them to move out, then we will be entitled to the fuel allowance. But what do the government suggest we do? Make them homeless? And where would they get their own home? Do, would we ask them to sleep on the streets just so that we can get the fuel allowance? See, that's what the fuel allowance is means tested. It's every single cent that comes into the house, all of the different payments coming into the house. So you're outside of the means testing limit for it and even though there was some changes yesterday if you've got a couple of boys working and living in the house or even a couple of boys in the house on a social welfare payment you will be over the amount for sure and then someone else says people earning over €36,500 will only end up with €100 better off at the end of the year that will not cover fuel and carbon tax increases for sure so they may be giving it with one hand but they're certainly taking it back with another says this uh, uh, listener. And then Dennis has a suggestion for, wasn't it, Morrison Glantan who had contacted us who was talking about they've cut back on everything they've given up their health insurance they've given up their life insurance they're now actually in their house and he's terrified that something happens to him, what will he leave the wife with, but they're now cutting back on food and he said there's nothing else that they can come back cut back on and he felt you know, after yesterday's budget they didn't get an awful lot just the fiver extra a week and with everything else going up and you know he's really worried about what is happening. Somebody has a suggestion. Dennis has a suggestion. Said, tell Morris, who's cutting down on his outgoings, would he consider renting a room? There's serious mo- money to be made in renting rooms these days. And, and you can rent. And with the housing crisis, there's people looking to rent a room for sure. Dennis, you're right. I don't know in his area if there's a huge demand or not, but I don't. I, 
can't see an area anywhere in the country where there isn't a demand with so many people looking to either rent a room or to rent a property so it, it is a suggestion if Morris wants to take that on board because you can rent a room and it's tax it's tax is it 12,000 you can get up to 1,000 a month tax free by renting out a room so it is a way certainly is a way of making uh, particularly for people on like pensioners who are on a fixed income and they can't make you know, they can't go out and work uh, maybe because physically they're not well enough to go out to work or they're finding it hard because they're, they are pensioners to find a job. So it is a suggestion. It is one way of making money for sure. Thank you for that, Dennis, to 0862103103. Going to take a break and we're back with Peter Dowdell answering your gardening questions. Still time for you to get your questions in. Or you can call John Paul at 1850 Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Peter Dowdell, our resident gardener, joining us. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, and you're, you're very welcome. Let's get straight into a lot of questions coming in. One listener wants to know, why is only one of my plum trees producing fruit? One is an opal and the other is a Victoria. And I'd say it's Victoria that is producing the fruit because Victoria is self-fertile. I'm guessing because uh, uh, Victoria is self-fertile, so it should fruit all on its own. Opal, I'd have to, to I'd have to double check to be sure, but I think opal needs a pollinator, another one, to to pollinate it. I'm 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 kind of guessing on that because I'm going from memory that I think Vic, I know Victoria is self fertile, so she she should fruit away all on her own. So I'm guessing that's the one that is fruiting, and I think from memory that opal needs a pollinating partner. I could stand corrected on that, but I think it does, and I think that's probably the reason. If it's a mature one that has fruited in the past and just suddenly isn't now, uh, well then I would suggest maybe give it some what we call restorative pruning during the winter months and then feed it uh, with a good good sulphate of potash into the spring in kind of March, early April and see if that helps. But if it's a new tree and it hasn't produced fruit, you need to plant another one? 
You would, yeah. yeah. Well, if it depends, do you know what? It depends how old it is, Trish. If it's brand new, it might just be taking a year or two to settle in. But if it's, let's say, there five or six years and it's still not fruiting yet, we need something else then that isn't Victoria okay. or Opal uh, to, to pollinate it. Okay, good afternoon. A question for Peter, please. Is this the right time of the year to dig up daffodils to separate them? And then can I plant them straight away again? Yes, you can. It's a short answer. Yeah, I mean, you could you could lift them any time after the foliage dries back, which could be June, June or July. But you're, yeah, you're certainly not too late to do it. And it is bulb planting time now, but kind of only just. I know they've been available in supermarkets and garden centres since kind of August, but that's far too early to plant them. Really want to only start uh, dividing and planting your bulbs now because you need that dip in temperature so that the bulbs know it's the winter time. Like we, we've been 16, 17 degrees mm-hmm. up to the last few days. Uh, so bulbs are growing. So we don't want that. We don't want them to start growing yet, really. We want to get them into the ground, plug them into the soil, if you like, for the winter months. And then when temperatures start to, to increase on the other side of winter, uh, that they'll, they'll start growing. So now is you're only just entering the bulb time now, really. OK, somebody has a problem with uh, Japanese knotweed. God help them. What do you suggest spraying them with and when? I'm not going to suggest spraying them with anything because there are legal implications, unfortunately, to, to Japanese knotweed if it's on your property. So I'd, I don't want any fella saying, well, your man on the radio told yeah. me to do this and I'd be fine. So I, I'm afraid if you have Japanese knotweed on your property, on your garden, uh, ring, ring one of the, the companies. There's only a few companies licensed to deal with it. Uh, and get them to, to give you a plan of campaign. Uh, and the reason I say that is not just to protect myself, but also to protect the person who's calling, because uh, you could land yourself, believe it or not, in quite hot water uh, if you do the wrong thing. Um, so if you have Japanese knotweed on your property and you're aware of it and it spreads into another property, well then, believe it or not, you're liable for where it has spread to as well. And also, just on a note of caution, um, if, if somebody with a van and a shovel calls and says, oh, I'll dig that up and dump it for you, don't don't let them there is to the best of my knowledge still nobody in ireland licensed to move japanese knotweed uh, around the country so don't let anybody do that because then wherever he dumps it you'll be liable for yeah. it so be very careful i do know i can i can give you the advice as to what the professionals do use and it's roundup it's glyphosate uh, but as i say you know I, I would probably get on to one of the professional companies. Get the professionals to, to in. Okay. Uh, Liz wants to know why her hydrangeas didn't flower this year. She has them in a pot and she's wondering, is it too late to plant them out now? No, it's not too late to plant them out at all because when you're, well, now is kind of planting season for most things anyway, but when you're planting from a pot into the ground, you can kind of do that any time of the year, Trish, because there's very little, if, if zero, maybe root disturbance. You're just taking it from a pot and putting it into the ground. It's when you're taking it out of the ground that you have to be careful. And even that, you're coming into the season for that now too. But anyway, um, so you're fine to plant it now. And I suspect that could well be the reason they didn't flower. They could be just pot-bound, which, which in, a, in effect means that they're hungry. They need more nutrients than what the pot is giving them. Uh, so I would say planting them into the ground. Uh, I'm guessing you didn't prune them too hard because they were in a pot. So they probably weren't that large. Uh, it, the reason I say that is because that can be a reason that they won't flower if you prune them too hard during the winter. So I would say plant them uh, with a good compost, maybe something like that living green, which is a good worm cast compost, uh, and then feed them next summer with something like the, the Nature Safe or a good quality tomato food to promote flowers. And I think I think they will then. Hi, uh, question for Peter, please. What can I do for my magnolia shrub? It's been eaten right, left and centre by something. I did spray it several times with a fly spray. 
I, I don't know is the short answer to it because I don't know and I don't want to hazard a guess as to what's eating it. Uh, and I, I'm certainly not going to recommend just go out and spray it with something that could be damaging and may have no effect on the, 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 the pest in the first place. So I don't know. It, it, it could be several things. It could even be just slugs, uh, being honest with you. It could be vine weevil damage. So like vine weevil damage and, and magnolias can be susceptible to vine weevil. The, the, and the, the vine weevil damages a plant in two ways. The, the grub um, feeds on the root system underground and causing the damage there. So if the, if the magnolia looks like it's a bit looser, it's rocking in the ground or in the pot, uh, or if it just looks like it's not brilliant, have a look at the root system, see if there's these kind of, they look like maggots, I'm afraid they're pretty ugly things, <coughs> if they're in there in the root system, if they are, just you really just have to lift it out and wash the root system, get rid of every bit of soil and every maggot out of it, and replant it somewhere else. Uh, but you, you kind of will know that you the, 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 the vine weevil damage to the leaf, because when, when you look at it, it's not like random eating. It's the best way to describe it, Trish. Is uh, and of course you'll be too young now to know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> uh, if you remember, if you remember back in the old days, the weekly bus tickets. It's the best way I have to describe it. And remember, they used to kind of punch the side of the weekly bus yeah, ticket every yeah. day. It was like a, an indentation from the side. That's classic vine weevil damage. It's not a hole in the middle of the leaf. It's that yeah. kind of eating, notching from the outside in. And that could be um, what he describes as le- eating them left, <laughs> right, and centre. That could be exactly what it is. Well, maybe actually. And if it's vine weevil, then yeah, you need to take a bit more action. Maybe send in a picture to, to either to John Paul or myself on Facebook, the Irish Gardener, and we can have a look at it. Yeah, okay. Hi, this is from Mary. Peter, can golden Leylandi be slipped? The reason I ask is a lot of my old Leylandi hedge is becoming bare at ground level. I once planted a potted version in a similar problem with good with, with a similar problem with good success, but it's impossible to get them that small, six to ten inches high. Well, yes, they they grow very very easily from cuttings. Uh, you're probably just gonna wear October now. You're probably a little bit late in the year. On saying that, I would give it a go. You take a, a kind of four to six inch cutting of this year's growth. Again, make sure the base of the cutting is at a node, uh, into a bit of rooting powder. A node is just where the leaves meet the stem. Uh, into a bit of rooting powder and into some compost. They'll root away very very easily. But probably would be better to be done July, August, September. Uh, but on saying that, that, that they do root easily. So I would say, if you even if you took 20 cuttings now, if, even if they didn't all root, I'd say a lot of them would. Particularly if you had a greenhouse or anything, keep them damp. Um, and they, 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 they root away quite easy. The only thing is, when you have a mature Leyland hedge like that, and I know what she's trying to do to fill the gaps down low, um, but very often it's difficult to get them to establish in those gaps because there's no light getting at them and no air and, and no nutrients in the soil because the Leyland, the mature one, has taken it all. Uh, so you may have to come out quite a bit with it but um, but the answer to the question they, they will root yes from cuttings OK Nora has a question for Peter I want to move a few shrubs in the garden to different parts of the garden am I at the right time to do it now please thanking you for your help very close very close and, and this is one of you're very close to the right time you're, this is one of the, the, the things with gardening um you can't put an exact date on things because every year is slightly different. So some years you would be fine to do it now, and but this year I'd say you're not. And the reason I say that is because temperatures are still that bit too mild or too high. Um, you really want the, 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 the plants to be totally dormant before you lift them and move them. Um, because when they're dormant, then they have the opportunity to repair any damage done to the root system before they come back into growth next spring. But, but with the temperatures being so high and kind of unseasonably high at the moment, 
they're still using every bit of their root system to absorb water and nutrients from the soil. So I would say hold off uh, prob- probably about two weeks. No, I mean, normally you'd be fine from the 1st of November, but just pay attention to the, the temperatures is what I'm saying. If, it, if, it, if we do get a frost or two, well, then, you know, yeah, you can go for it. Bridget says, can you put weed membrane under bark mulch to suppress weeds or would gravel be better? It's for a newly planted flower bed. Okay, how long have we got? (laughs) 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 I'll I'll, I'll abridge this to as short a version as I can. So yes, so if you cut off light and oxygen to the soil, nothing can germinate okay now if you have perennial weeds in that soil already like nettle roots or bramble roots they'll kind of grow through anything but if the soil is clean and then if you just cut off light and oxygen to it you'll keep it clean so you can do that with the weed block membrane and then you're just putting something on top of it for aesthetics however i hate that weed block membrane because for several reasons it's plastic obviously and it's not good for the soil but um it's woven plastic and it doesn't break down and what it does is I, i've discovered after years uh the soil beneath it becomes very very compacted and if if you think about it trish it's your old friends the earthworms and i know you love the earthworms mm. Right? Mm. Um, well the earthworms are in the soil and the soil microbes are there and and the earthworms are kind of constantly plowing through it and coming up and getting humus on the top and bringing it back down they're constantly aerating the soil and improving the structure and texture of the soil but if you put down that weed block, they come up to the surface and they hit plastic and they can't do their job. So they go elsewhere uh, and the soil, as a result, becomes very compacted and plants in the longer term don't do as well. Right. So I'm not a fan of using that weed block. Now, there are compostable weed blocks out there which are very, very good because they will break down over the years. So you cover them with bark and really to keep a bed clean. It's in that first couple of years is all that you need to keep it clean. And after that, it should become nearly self-maintaining. So a compostable one is, is excellent because it will give you that couple of years. Uh, and then, or alternatively, use nothing and just put down a depth of, of about three to four inches of, of a good bark mulch or gravel, either one. Uh, and that will do the same job. It will just cut off light and oxygen to the soil. But it's much better for the soil because it breaks down and the earthworms can still do their work. So I wouldn't use the weed block in the first instance. OK, and one a final one. Is now the best time to trim roses and something called Port Ten Tellus? Portantilla. Yeah, Portantilla. Portantilla, sorry, yeah. thank you very much. So, and roses, yeah. now the best time? Okay. Uh, a bit early. Well, the Portantilla, yes, you could, absolutely. The, the roses, I would still, it's probably possibly still some bloom. If there isn't some bloom left in them to enjoy, uh, you could certainly do it any time between now and the end of February. Okay, all right, we'll leave it there. Listen, have a great week and we'll talk to you next Wednesday. Thanks, Trish. Talk Thanks, uh, Peter. That is uh, Peter Dowdle, the Irish Gardener dot uh, com. He will be back with us as I say next Wednesday. Now, can I just say thank you to a huge number of people reacting to the listener who has the problem with the smelly washing machine. Done everything. Tried vinegar. Tried bread soda driving this woman crazy because the clothes now are starting to smell. Now we've had a massive reaction to this including from other people who are saying please get advice on this because I'm having the very same problem myself so I'm going to do a quick rundown through some of the suggestions we've had in from listeners who reckon they've done this, they had a smelly washing machine and this worked. Here's just some of the suggestions uh, in. Tell the listener to go to the supermarket and buy a box of washing machine cleaner. It's a powder that you actually put into the washing machine 
machine. Now you put it in obviously with no clothes on an empty wash. Put your washing machine on at a normal wash and and it will work. It has worked for me. You can also try and put in pure bleach. That works and will get rid of the smell. Seamus says, hi Patricia, to clean a washing machine uh, first, you wash it with vinegar and then you do a wash with two dishwasher tablets. Make sure that the door rubber is clean, says Seamus. And you'll hear a lot of people suggesting dishwasher the tablets you use in a dishwasher can also be used to clean a washing machine. Somebody else says, tell that lady, clean around the rubber seal. She'll be amazed at the dirt that is held in there. Also, put on a boil wash with vinegar and bread soda. Leave the door open for a few days, guaranteed to get rid of the smell. Someone else says, switch, this is an interesting, switch from liquid to washing powder. I got this tip once from a washing machine mechanic. He told me that the liquid gets stuck in the drum and it makes for the smell. It works very well for me because, yes, like that listener, my washing machine was smelling terribly. Somebody, and then on washing machine cleaners, a number of people are saying the Dettol machine cleaner is by far the best. Some of your WhatsApps in. Hi Patricia, I had that same problem myself. Leave the machine door open after use. If you close the door, that's what causes the smell to build up. Another, Padraig in Glamworth saying it's the dishwasher tablet. Use that and it'll run through without closing it, obviously. It gets rid of the uh, smell. The Dettol in the wash drawer, Patricia says, Margaret, works. Leave the door open when not in use, says uh, Mary. Uh, clean the filter, somebody else says. If the filter is blocked up, the smell actually comes up through the machine. It could be that your filter is actually blocked locked. That's one I wouldn't have thought of. And uh, Kay says, morning Patricia. For the listener with the problem with the smelly washing machine, I use a Finnish Powerball dishwasher quantum tablet. You put it on at a 90 degree, the hottest wash that the machine can take and then use some white vinegar in the drawer. It works a dream. That's from Kay. Thank you. As I say, massive, massive reaction. That's just some of the suggestions we had in because as I say, it wasn't just one listener and a couple of other listeners said they had the same problem. Okay, that's where I wrap it up for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we are back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock for Thursday's edition of the programme. On to the and I'm Patricia Messenger. A very good afternoon and stay safe. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.